God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this message, Blood. You know, there's something shocking when you see blood shed, blood coming out of your own wounds, blood coming from somebody else, blood. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we read, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. I know that at some time you have thought, and I have thought as well, why does blood have to be shed? Why this emphasis on blood? That could seem almost barbaric, uh, primitive. You've got some kind of angry God that can't be satisfied with anything short of blood. Why blood? I understand you asking that question. And let me answer the question. The blood is because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's the best answer I can give. The reason for the shedding of the blood is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, speaking of the person and work of Christ, his person is who he is. And who he is defines what he did. That's his work. Those two things cannot be separated. If I'm wrong on the person of Christ, I'll be wrong on his work. And if I'm wrong on the work of Christ, I will be wrong on his person. And Jesus Christ made the world so he could come into this world and shed his blood to put away sin. Why the blood? Because it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called in Revelation 13, 8, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He came to shed his blood. In shedding his blood, he was saving his people and he was honoring his Father, every attribute of God is fully displayed in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ shedding his blood on the cross, Christ willingly being nailed to the cross is the most godlike thing God ever did. It's glorious, the shedding of his blood. Now, Hebrews chapter 9 is a chapter with regard to Old Testament worship. I'm talking about the worship that took place between Genesis and Malachi. 
Now, the gospel was the same then that it is now. It's not like Old Testament believers were saved one way and New Testament believers are saved another. That's just not so. Uh, we're all saved the same way by the blood of Christ, by the grace of God. But chapter 9 begins with, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances, talking about the sacrifice, the feast days that were figures, pictures, illustrations of the gospel. They had ordinances of a divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Now, if you would read this ninth chapter of Hebrews, the word that you would come across the most is blood. It's mentioned ten times in Hebrews chapter 9. And notice what the writer says in verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Now this began after Moses gave the law. The people said, all that the Lord has spoken, that will we do. You know what Moses did at that point? He burned animals, slew animals, took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and he sprinkled it on the law. Now why did he do that? Because he knew they would disobey. They made a big promise. All that the Lord has spoken, that will we do. Never been a bigger lie ever told. They didn't do anything the Lord told them to do. And Moses sprinkled blood on them and on the tabernacle, on the books, uh, the book that he had written. And the scripture says almost all things are by the law purged with blood. You'd see blood on everything. Every year there would be a day of atonement, blood would be shed, it would be sprinkled on the mercy seat, it would be sprinkled on the altar of incense, everywhere you'd see there's blood, and we don't read any instructions with regard to that blood ever being washed off. I think year after year, the blood was there, and by the, after some time, you probably couldn't see anything but blood. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant covered with blood, the priest in his fine white garments would be covered with blood from the slaying of those sacrifices. And God meant for everyone to see this is blood, the shedding of blood. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There was a morning and evening sacrifice every day for over 1,400 years. That alone would be 1.2 million sacrifices. The morning sacrifice says, I wake up a sinner. The evening sacrifice says, I go to bed a sinner. That sacrifice had to be repeated over and over again because that sacrifice never took away sin. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Now, the first time blood is mentioned in Scripture is with regard to Cain shedding Abel's blood and God saying to Cain, the blood of your brother cries to me from the ground. Now, what was that shedding of blood over? Well, Cain brought a bloodless sacrifice, the fruit of the ground, his best, God had no respect to it. 
no regard to it. Abel brought the blood of a sacrifice. I have no doubt that his father Adam told him the only way God can be approached is through the blood of the coming Lamb of God. Abel didn't believe that the blood of that sacrifice put away his sins, but what that sacrifice pointed to. And Cain was angry. He was angry that God had respect to Abel's offering, and he had no respect to his. He thought that was unfair, and they got in an argument. And it became so heated that Cain murdered his brother. And he murdered his brother over the issue of this blood sacrifice. And that's when God said, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. It lets me know what you've done. God saw this. Luke, I mean, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, it's the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. It is the blood. There is no remission of sins without blood. God said on the night of the Passover, after he had instructed Israel to put blood over the door. Now think of that. Somebody says, well, that seems primitive. Well, it's pointing to the blood of Christ. That's not primitive. That's eternal. That's glorious. He said, put blood over the door, the blood of that lamb, that spotless lamb without blemish or without spot. And you put it over the door of the, uh, the doorpost of the home you're in. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God didn't say, when I see your works. He didn't say, when I see your sincerity. He didn't say, when I see your faith. He didn't say, when I see your battle against sin and how, how you're trying to never sin again. He said nothing like that. He said, when I see the blood, that's the one thing he was looking for. When I see the blood. He didn't say, when you see the blood. You know, if you're in the house, you couldn't see it. You're in the house. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, what if some Israelite that very day had committed some evil sin that we would be ashamed to even mention what it is that was so bad. Question. If he was in the house with the blood over the door, was he secure? Was he saved? Absolutely. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, is there anyone thinking, why this emphasis on blood? It seems barbaric. It seems primitive. Why this emphasis on blood? Now, I've thought that before. I've thought that before. I have to be honest. I'm ashamed, but I have thought that before. And there are two reasons one would have that kind of response to the blood. These two reasons go together. Number one, an ignorance of the holiness and justice of God. And number two, an ignorance of the sinfulness of sin and my own personal sinfulness. Now, these two ignorances are different sides of the same coin. (laughs) They're different sides of the same sheet of paper. It's the inhale and the exhale of unbelief But this is what causes men to think this way. Why this emphasis on blood? Well, let me 
repeat the scripture again, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Hebrews 2.13 says we're made nigh. You see, sin separated us. We're made far away by our sin. Your sins have separated you, but we're made nigh by the blood of Christ. And the first time the word blood is used with reference to the Lord is when he instituted the Lord's table and he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now notice he doesn't say it's shed for everybody, but he does say it's shed for many. It's shed for many for the remission of sins. Now the writer to the Hebrews called this blood the blood of the everlasting covenant. Don't miss that word. The blood of the everlasting, eternal covenant. A covenant that never had a beginning and will never have an ending. You see, Christ is called before time the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And when we're given that last scene of eternity in Revelation chapter 5, this final scene, John says, I saw a lamb as it had been slain. Remember the song, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. That's the song of heaven. It was the song before time. It'll be the song when time is no more. John said, I saw a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. That's his omnipotence and his omniscience, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came, this lamb that was slain, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sitteth upon the throne. When the writer to the Hebrews speaks of the sin of willful ignorance, he said, if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth. And this is talking about the sin against the Holy Spirit. This is the sin for which there is no forgiveness. It's when you receive the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth of salvation through the blood of Christ and turn around and let it go. He says there's no more sacrifice for sin. He said um, if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, here's what we're doing. We're trotting underfoot the Son of God and counting the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. Now by unholy it doesn't mean uh, Uh, morally bad, although it is, but the word means common. That which is common to all as opposed to that which is peculiar to the few. Now to treat the blood of Christ in that sense, that's trouble. He said, this is my blood of the New Testament. Feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Is it any wonder Peter called it the precious blood? blood of Christ. The blood of God. The blood of the God-man. And I hope I'm saying this with fear and trembling. The blood of God is most precious because of what His, because of whose blood it is and what He accomplished by His blood. Judas, when he betrayed Christ, said, I betrayed 
the innocent blood. You know, the blood of Jesus Christ is the only blood that's innocent. My blood is defiled by my sin. But his blood was innocent blood because he never sinned. Why, even uh, Pilate said, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. Pilate, no, you're not. I know you're saying that, but you're not. But still, he had some understanding of the innocence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He never committed a sin. Oh, his innocent blood. I think of when he was in Gethsemane's garden and that cup was brought before him. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And the scripture says he sweat great drops of blood as he looked upon this cup and knew the contents of this cup. You see, this was the sins of everybody he's going to die for. He was going to drink those sins. He, those sins, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And he was just overwhelmed at the thought of being made sin, being made that which is odious to his father, actually becoming guilty before his father. The scripture says, for he hath made him, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, the shedding of blood is the shedding of his blood. That's the uh, point. Whose blood was shed? It was his blood. If I shed my blood for you, it wouldn't do you any good. But if he shed his blood... Listen to this scripture. Romans chapter 8, 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Not anyone else. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. If Christ died for me, I can't be condemned. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather that's risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. You see, because who, who he is He's not capable of not having exactly what he intended to have by the shedding of his blood. Now, I realize that most of what's called Christianity says that Jesus Christ shed his blood for everybody and paid for everybody's sins. Now, let me give you a few problems with that. Number one, the Bible doesn't teach that. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. He didn't lay down his life for the goats. The Bible makes an issue of this. Number two, if he shed his blood for everybody and everybody's not saved, he failed in his intention. He didn't get what he came to do. And if Jesus Christ died for everybody and some of those people he died for wind up in hell, God's not just. He's making somebody pay for the same sin twice. If Christ paid for my sins and I have to pay for them again in hell, God's not just. And listen to this. And this is what uh, probably means the most to me with regard to this. The only hope I have is that Jesus Christ died for my sins and put them away. And if you tell me that he can die somebody, for somebody and they wind up in hell anyway, I'll wind up in hell anyway. I know I will. You're taking away the only hope I have. The only hope I have is that Jesus Christ actually put away my sin. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 says, Wherefore Jesus, that he also might sanctify the people by his own blood, suffered 
without the gate. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, sanctifies, makes holy, makes other every single one of his people. By one offering, he hath perfected forever. That shedding of his blood, that one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Listen to this scripture, Romans 5, 9. Being now justified by his blood. Now his blood makes everybody he died for justified. That means if you're justified, you've never committed a sin. That means you stand before God with that guilt. You stand before God's holy law, perfect. That's justification. Being now justified by his blood. Colossians 1.20 says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, the shedding of his blood made God at peace with me. Somebody says, have you made your peace with God? No, Jesus Christ made my peace with God. And God is completely satisfied with me. He's at peace with me because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? That gives me peace. Seeing that he is satisfied with what his son has done, that gives me peace. I'm not afraid of judgment because of the blood of Christ. Not because of any goodness in me. Not because I'm a preacher, because I study the scriptures, or because I witness or pray. No. My peace is that his blood answered everything God requires of me. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now listen to this. The forgiveness of sins does not come to you after a process. You're convicted by them, you confess them, you forsake them, and then God forgives you. No. The forgiveness of sins comes for one reason. The shedding of His blood. His blood accomplished the complete forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9, 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption. Ephesians 2, 13 says, Being made nigh by the blood of of Christ. Near, so near to God. Nearer, I cannot be. For in the person of his dear son, I'm as near to God as he. Dear, so dear to God. Dearer, I cannot be. In the person of his dear son, I'm as dear to God as he. That's why the writer to the Hebrew says, that the blood of Christ speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Now, what did Abel's blood cry from the ground to God? Vengeance, justice, put him to death. He killed me. He ought to be put to death. What does the blood of Christ cry? Forgive him. His sins put away. Justify him. Make him to be without guilt. Oh, it makes much better things than that of Abel. 
Revelation 1.5 says he washed us from our sins in his own blood. And Revelation 7.14 says we wash our robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 5.9, the song of heaven is now unto him that redeemed us to God by his own blood. Now listen to this scripture with regard to the blood. The blood, 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now that word cleanseth is in the present tense. Not the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us, although it has, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us right now. Present tense, everybody who believes from all sin. Now, while my sin was put away by his blood, as long as I'm in this earthen vessel, as long as I'm in the body of this death, I will still commit sin. I say that with grief. I'm not proud of that. I'm not excusing it, but I know this. As long as I'm in the body of this death, I will still commit sin. But we have this promise of continual cleansing. And you know, there's a continual need of the blood of Jesus Christ. I need the blood of Christ this very second, like I did the first time I believed. It continually cleanses from all sin. I need thee, precious Jesus, for I am full of sin. My soul is dark and guilty. My heart is dead within. I need the cleansing fountain where I can always flee. The blood of Christ, most precious, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Pilate said, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, the children of Israel, the people, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests replied, His blood be upon us and our children. We hate this man so much that we're perfectly happy to be accused of his blood. And we actually want it to happen with our children. You accuse our children of his blood, we're fine with that. His blood be upon us and our children. What wicked men. But do you know that is the prayer of the believer? Oh, let his blood be upon me. Let his blood wash away my sins and make me without spot before God. May his blood be upon my children. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, his blood, there is no remission of sins, but by his shed blood, there is the full, complete 
remission of sins. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 